Hello and welcome to the Fresh Minds podcast with me, Anna Veal, where I talk to ordinary people doing extraordinary things to make their lives magnificent. In this season, I bring you 10 very special guests, each of whom carry messages that will change your perspective on life. You'll hear how the little things make the biggest impacts, how routine and consistency trump the boom-bust cycle, how adversity makes us stronger, and that beer isn't the devil, and much, much more. Thanks for spending some time with me today to listen to these ordinary people leading extraordinary lives. I hope you enjoy their conversations as much as I did. This podcast is sponsored by the Spartan Habit Changer series, an online program exclusively for busy men who need to be reminded to dial down and look after their mental and physical well-being in order to perform at their best. For more information on this program and how I can help you more, visit www.freshcoaching.me. All right. Well, I want to welcome the master Josh Roach here today to the podcast. He is um, a a bit of an enigma and has got a lot of wealth of knowledge to share with us today. Welcome on the show, Josh. Thank you so much, Anna. Really stoked to be here. Can't wait. Well, I think we'll just dive straight into it. As I mentioned in the introduction, you've lived uh, two extremes of life, really. You've had time spent in the military and then um, many years as as a monk. On the surface, they seem very different, but when you look deeper, the two have got quite a few similarities. Having experienced both, what parallels can you draw between the two? Sure, Anna. Um, yeah, they, they, they do seem like kind of a paradox between the two of them, two kind of very, very different experiences, but it's a good question. There are a lot of similarities between the two. Um, one of the ones that came up first early on in, in, in the in the first sort of year or so of, of being a monk was just the you know and it wasn't buddhism it was a yoga kind of lifestyle and it's perhaps thought of from the outside as being perhaps a little bit cruisy or there's there's some there's there's a lot of downtime or what goes on basically a lot, lot, of, lot of people have no real idea of what goes on in an ashram or a, or a monastery um so there's a work ethic piece that comes with the with the kind of output you needed to to give as a monk like you know you imagine sitting still for four hours at a time doing mantras doing pranayama doing breath work working on some kind of um metaphysical formula that drives focus really deep within and 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 lights up different parts of your experience to to draw learnings from so the military is you know obviously renowned for giving a, a massive work ethic and that was the early parallel was that was was this um, ability just to put up with with long periods of discomfort for some kind of outcome in the future. So I lean really heavily into that part of my military experience um, early on just to get the, the foundation pieces right with with the practices I was doing. They need a lot of repetition. It's the same as learning anything. You know, you start at a, an entry level you get quizzed and tested by your teachers and then they they ascertain, okay, look, he's ready for this next step. So then you take the next step and you go away on a short retreat by yourself and you learn these different things and then you come back from that, you get tested. It's just like 
any other skill set or any other knowledge acquisition kind of journey learning it's the same as learning anything else you start small baby steps and then you go from there so that's kind of the early parallel then in the military i had i had all sorts of weird and wonderful kind of how to put it like you know the, the classic shamanic yogic kind of american indian vision quest kind of stuff where you 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 don't eat very much or you don't eat at all and you stay awake for hours and hours, sometimes, you know, 30 hours, 40 hours, maybe you snatch 20 minutes of sleep on the back of a truck going somewhere, then you're into the next sort of cycle of training. So, you know, you don't get much sleep at certain phases of training. And I remember having these enormous transcendent moments of where, you know, you, you'd think that you're, you're going to crash and that the body's breaking down and you've got this fatigue this neural fatigue this cognitive fatigue and yes you do come into those phases but then it's like that marathon that oh, that running stuff you get a second wind and then you get a third wind a fourth wind a fifth wind a sixth wind until you just your limits are just you're, you're so far past where you thought your limits were that you can you tap into this euphoric kind of um how to put it transcendent kind of state and I had I had a number of those in the military where I was I, I don't know I was just compelled to try and found, find out what that was about in the military there's a different understanding and a different narrative around those experiences they just put aside it's, it's the sleep monster or it's whatever it's just part of part of a pro, uh, um, part of working through your training but it, for me it really was like that's fascinating why am I not tired after 40 hours of being awake why am I really dialed in? And why are my friends all dialed in? And what's what's this body we and all these questions, these sort of existential questions started popping up, and 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 that became extremely compelling to me personally. What is what am I? Who am I? Like all these kinds of things, these massive existential questions, they needed answering, and that became that started to take my attention away from a soldiering career because these experiences were incredible they were flow state they were all of these these shifts in in, in neurotransmitter hormone concentration in the bloodstream you know this the mind opens up and the ability to 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 be cognizant of complex battle plans and all these these changing changing situations parachuting nighttime parachuting you know live fire battle drills Break, break contact drills, all this sort of stuff, day after day after day, casualty evacuations, massive um, fighting withdrawals, company level, battalion level fighting withdrawals, where you're, you're trying to break contact from the enemy at a battalion level, takes days and days. I remember just, wow, what, what is that about? So that's, you know, I can go on and on all day about these sorts of things, but there's two little pieces that draw that, that, that crossed over there, these transcendent states in the military that just blew my mind what's that about? And I learned how to tap into those states and access them systematically with, with a very um, mature kind of um, philosophy that's attached with that kind of stuff. So yoga, like it's old, it's very, very old. Um, and then of course the work ethic that goes with that kind of lifestyle, like, you know, there were times where it was, it was 18 hours a day of, of, of sitting in meditation and it's excruciating and it just you know you you you're you're just by yourself you know all about that and you just sit there with your stuff and things come <laughs> up 
And my goodness, the, the, the processing that goes on and the self-awareness that comes from that and, and the, the tapping into these other powers, this sort of other stuff that we'll touch on. So there's just a couple of little connections there. Yeah, and, and that's fascinating. And I, and I love that how you've um, kind of noticed the work ethic and you mentioned flow state as well. So now that you're not in those two extremes and, and you're um, you know, running your successful coaching business, how do you bring that element of work ethic and flow state into your life now? Into my personal life now? Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's kind of um, how to start that. Like I, I, I've never kind of identified with the nine to five um career kind of thing i've always needed to have a way of life i've always needed to have a complete life a complete way of being that has a physical aspect it has a psychological aspect it has a it has a, a growth learning evolution evolutionary kind of aspect um it has a relational aspect a community aspect and then it has um because i was into that stuff very young you know these transcendent moments I, I i need to have some kind of spiritual slash transcendent kind of peace in in that in that way of life as well so my life as it is now is really a blend of those two experiences i joined the army at 16 then i i left left the ashrams of india when i was nearly 30 so all of those formative years were in those two environments and 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 how can i not um base my life off those first 15 or so um years of, of my life because they were so profound and they were so intense and so meaningful and so compelling and and when i left the ashrams of india um it was a huge it was like a there was this enormous lifestyle vacuum to be filled because I was, I was contained in these very ancient institutions, if you like, the military institution, the, the, the monastic spiritual ashram institutions of India, very old, both very, very old kind of things. There's a lot of support in there. There's a lot of understanding. There's a lot of um, mutual kind of shared experience of, of you know intense experiences the military is there's a lot of risk there so you bond very strongly because of the risk and, and the the kind of lifestyle that that is and then of course also with the spiritual stuff you you go away on a solo retreat for three weeks in some cave somewhere and you cut and and you come back starved of, of of contact and so there's all of this kind of these kind of pieces that go with it um the, the nature piece was huge in both of them I mean, I recently actually went through, I'm always, I'm always been a journaler. I love writing diaries and, and just tracking the way things go for myself. And I read, a, I read some diaries my first year in the army and nine months out of the 12, I was in the bush for, 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 for nine months out of 12. And, and that's easy to go past and gloss over. But if, if you really look at that, it's significant. It's you're, you're going back into this very primal kind of, um, base level kind of lifestyle which of course we as the human species those are very strong codes for us you know the paleolithic hunter-gatherer experience is the longest part of 
of the human evolution, the little little Neolithic civilized, you know, urban thing is tiny, tacked on the end, very tiny. And and us in the military, we we sort of were transported back to that small groups, high risk environment. You must trust the people either side of you implicitly without even a thought. And I remember reaching those kind of states in this reconnaissance um, platoon I worked with. I remember looking at these guys who were super switched on soldiers, just thinking, wow, you know, I die. These, I love these guys. I die for them. And, 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 and the feeling was unspoken, but obviously mutual. And that was quite profound, you know. And then going into the monk stuff, um, all of the, the ability to, to sit with, this, with, with, the, with the self and the dialogue that goes on and all of the noise and the, the fears and the, the, the doubts and the lack of self-belief and all of the questions that come up from there. So, you know, to put all that together into my lifestyle now, it's, it's just a blend of those two. I've got to have, I've got to be challenged in some way. Um, there needs to be a, um, a healthy level of risk with activities that I do. So skydiving and paragliding and, and mountaineering and, and all that sort of stuff. That's there just to keep me lean, if you like, sort of. Um, I, I'm only able to do the things that matter at a cognitive level, at a physical level, um, because there's a healthy, you know, it's, it's calculated risk, but there's, there are real risks there. So I need to be sharp. I need I can't be soft with what I'm learning and, and what I'm taking on at an, at an information level. I've got to keep my consciousness um, tailored towards those those ways of those those activities. And then the monk side, that's the soft side. Like the military was the hard side, the monk side was the soft side. So that 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 the yoga experiences gave me the ability to take my foot off the gas. So then, then that opens into the whole wellness kind of space where being kind, being gentle, being able to rest, being able to say no, to turn the engine off, to take the keys out, to take time away from all of these intense activities. And that's a big one. It's given me balance. It's given me the ability to, to, to listen to my body and understand, yeah, I'm really stressed out by doing too much. I need to take some time away from there. And then also just balancing all those pieces, the training for the activities, the the skill acquisition for these activities, the timing of them, the learning curve, all of these things. And it's given those two lifestyles have been a profound blend of, of hard and soft, of, of yang and yin, if you like. And that's been really profound. And I've, I find it really valuable for my work and working with people to, to, to explore the, those balance aspects. They're really important. Yeah, and I think um, that, that's so important for, for those working the, the, the balance can often be off and mm. the things that keep them mentally and physically on point are often the things that get dropped yeah first unfortunately um, right. yeah and so in terms of your non-negotiables when it comes to your mental and physical well-being what what are they yeah so physically um let's i think so I do like a, in terms of a, in terms of training, I must have a strong chassis, if you like. I've got to have a strong spine and core and skeleton and, and connective tissue. Got to be mobile and flexible. Um, so the non-negotiables with the physical side are, 
I mean, I train like crazy. I love that stuff. And I've never not trained. I, I, I used to race BMX when I was nine years old, you know, like I've always been just fascinated with performance and going fast and, and being scared and then, wow, surviving somehow or getting injured, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so the non-negotiables, you know, the activities that I'm involved with describe the training. So if I am doing these kinds of things, then I need to have the physiology that can handle those kinds of experiences. And also when the experiences can go sideways, I need a very, very fast nervous system. So I do a lot of jumping and a lot of sprinting and a lot of um, kind of um, throwing a ball at a wall. It's got little uh, sort of nubbins on it. It bounces off the yeah. wall, you know, very erect and then changing hands. So brain synchronization stuff. So if I'm piloting, piloting a canopy, I need to be very balanced with flying my paraglider wing and all that. So I just, that sort of stuff fascinates me. So the non-negotiables are, are just, constant physical training and that's not hard all the time it's just always moving and always you know throwing in 20 minutes of yoga if i've got time through the day running hiking under load lots of strength and conditioning stuff with kettlebells and barbells lockdown you know i've got gear at home i keep things up like that so physically the non-negotiables are, are are always just always being in shape and always being ready for the wind conditions mean that this activity is happening or the conditions in the mountains mean that this is going to be possible or rock climbing or ice climbing or whatever it is. So just readiness. I, I love the feeling of being ready or a friend has a call. Hey, we're going to do this thing. I, I, would you like to come hunting? We're going to these big mountains. Yes. I, you know, I'm ready to go. And I love that kind of readiness piece, which is, which is cool. So just constantly just moving the needle a little bit with the strength stuff, a little bit with the, the, the longer, you know, out, out past 90 minute endurance stuff. And I've got ideas for, for some ultra stuff next year um, in the South Island. And then mobility, flexibility, I think that gives longevity. If, if the body's able to move well and express its strength, then, then you'll, you'll, be, you'll have a long life of, of fun adventures, fun, fun activities. And then mentally, um, the non-negotiables, Mentally, emotionally, for me, psycho-emotionally, I must be growing some in some way. I, I must be, you know, I must be learning something new or, or bringing a new understanding to something I've gone over previously. Um, I love talking to people and, and having my views and preconceptions challenged. I, I, it's, I think that's important to to not be, you know, blinkered or in love with your worldview or your perspectives. I think it's very healthy to, to be, you know, told different. And I, I, I seek that out. I, I think that's important to be, to be challenged. Um, it keeps you, keeps your mind open and it stops the rust sort of coming in, you know, and, and so that sort of thing. And then I've got to have a spiritual aspect. So I, I always have to be reading philosophy, reading, reading scriptures, from different religions, um, doing my mantras, you know, right back down to that basic stuff. I've got to be meditating every day. I've got to have, you know, this is this kind of the wheel of life, right? I've got to have all these pieces moving, um, moving forward just one degree a day or even a week, one degree of change a week. If there's, if there's you know, like it goes to go back to journaling, if I'm if I'm starting to be better at something, then I'm happy. I think that's just for me. There's there's a there's a there's just an automatic kind of 
um, I'm compelled to do that. I think that's just always, that's just how I've always been. I think there's no real, there's no real sort of secret source with that. It's just I love to 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 learn new things and 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 take that learning into the activities I do. That's one one sort of non-negotiable with me is um, I love academic learning, but I love applied learning. I, I love to take yeah. it real world right I teach courses and I, I travel the country doing courses and and um, coaching and all that sort of stuff and that's a large part of what I why I do what I do also so I then have a story I didn't, I didn't have a narrative I have a way of, of expressing um, in many different ways the benefits of change and the benefits of being uncomfortable and the, and the benefits of being wrong and you know all that sort of stuff and, and chewing humble pie whatever it is all these sorts of things I think it's really beneficial to to, to, to be to be just gently moving the wheel on on the body on the mind on the on the heart the relationships whatever it is the communication and then spiritually attaching you know an, another non-negotiable for me so I don't get too locked in is to place my life journey into a wider context and and a lot of the, the Buddhist scriptures a lot of the yoga scriptures are really useful for that it takes it takes your own personal suffering, and gives it a wider perspective and and it takes the pressure out of feeling depressed oh, I'm, I'm broken there's something wrong with me no you're just human you're just having you're having a human experience we're, we're not here to eat to, to chew strawberry flavored bubble gum you know we, sometimes we eat shit sandwiches too and it tastes terrible and but that's the deal and so putting that suffering into a wider context i find is really beneficial too Human suffering is natural and normal. It's not to be shied away from or, or or thought of as a failure in some way. It's just that's just part of the deal. And often the best part of who we are comes from how we lift ourselves back up again from suffering. All of the great stories have that that piece in them strongly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It really is. Um, I think we can get so caught up in the happiness trap, and actually we forget <laughs> that there's another side to happiness, and it's not failure. It's yes. just how we perceive it, right? Great point. Yeah, fully agree. And riding the wave. Yeah. But um, you, you've talked about um, before, and we've talked about it um, at, at length um, off air, but the importance of surrounding yourself with people on the same wavelength, on the same vision. I mean, how important to you is that piece in mental fitness? Yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's massive, really. It's difficult to it's difficult to move into the the spaces or the fields or the directions that you want. A good way to put it is you can't go you can't do something new by being the same person. There, there needs to be some kind of um, example that you're going after or some kind of experience that you're looking for. And if your peer group are not seeing those things or are, are not resonating with them or don't value them, then that can be really difficult. And I understand that. Um, and I've coached a lot of people in that position who are struggling to, 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 to level up, if you want, um, with, with, their, with their lifestyle and with their work or whatever it is, with their activities, their adventures, but the peer group don't support it. And it's really tough. It really, it really becomes tough. And, and the way I've got around that really is just to um, seek out the, 
the very best in, in the fields that I'm looking at going towards and, and go and study with them, go and do courses with them, pick their brains. You know, the, the most recent one was a guy called Gary Dixon who runs a business called Alpinism and Ski out of Wanaka. And I was lucky enough, we were lucky enough to get six days of really good weather just, to, just at the top of Fox Glacier to do some mountaineering training. And I mean, this guy, is a, he's 35 years of mountaineering, just an absolute legend, you know, the real deal. Guided all over the world, trained mountain guides. Um, and then, so you go and study with a person like that and they're in that world and then contacts start being made from there. Another example, paragliding. If it wasn't for lockdown, another lockdown, huge lockdown, I would have got this um, PG2 paragliding qualification. So what I do, I go and do these courses and I just meet people who are on the same wavelength through these courses. And this paragliding thing, there's, these, there's a bunch of other students there. And so now we're calling each other and, hey, the weather's doing this in, in, in Tauranga, it's doing this in, you know, the Raglan, whatever, the West Coast. And um, that's, that's the way I do it. I plug into people who are doing these activities. And, it, and nine times out of ten, these activities attract some pretty cool people. So I, I kind of, it's kind of easy for me in that way. I just go and do these things and, 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 and let the, the universe provide, if you like. And, and these people just come out of the woodwork and they're all really awesome. And I think that's, you know, if you haven't got that going in your life, then challenge yourself to step out of the underfunctioning peer group and no, you know, no animosity, no judgment, no criticism, but you just, you just need to start establishing connections in that next level of life or in that next step of life. And that, then they start compelling you by their way of life. You start, you know, you start understudying, right? You start reading between the lines. Oh, they, you know, oh, they don't drink or, or they, or, or they, they, they do all this training stuff. And so what's the story with that? And, and then the reflection, Oh, I don't do that. And, no wonder I'm having trouble, you know, you know, learning this stuff or, or being able to perform these activities or whatever it is. Or, you know, a good example also is um, public speaking. That, that's a great multidimensional tool. Doesn't need doesn't mean to need you're going to be a public speaker, but it's a very challenging, can be very confronting kind of learning curve. So, you know, you do these sorts of things and you meet people on these courses who are challenging themselves, who are looking to take themselves in new directions and lift themselves up. And you find yourself in a common, in a common kind of energy um, frequency, right? Like you go to a course, you do a life coach course, you do whatever, all these things, you meet people like that. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of the deal, really. You've just got to put yourself out there, don't you? Yeah, you do. And uh, I'm smiling because that's exactly what happened uh, and why our paths met, because nice. the, the military, the, um, the monastic life, your name was mentioned and somebody said you would just get on so well with Josh. So straight away, straight in there, coaching sessions, then onto your yeah. course. And then, he, you know, a couple of years later, it's yeah. evolved. And, and I think... Yeah. You're absolutely right. Having people around you who are just ahead of just ahead of you yes. is a really amazing way to up level and upskill. And it's not yeah. intimidating. And um, um, we can take down all of those um, kind of barriers and strip back the ego and actually yes. understand that there's an, a massive amount of, low, of growth there if yeah. you just allow yourself and be brave enough to step into that space. Fully agree, Anna. Fully agree. Yep, 100%. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, for me, I see a lot of um, men, I, co I coach men in particular, and stress seems to be at an all-time high, and yeah. it is the biggest cause of disease in society at the moment. What yeah. do you think can be done to reduce stress uh, when it comes to managing mindset? Bearing mm. in mind, you know, the biggest thing I get is, well, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. Yeah. It's not like I can just run off and leave my job um yeah. you know, i've got all this to do i, I don't have much time what yeah. would your message be to somebody listening who's in that in that place where they are you know they're they're, they're working really really hard for a future that they want to provide for their family yeah. and children but yeah. they're under the pump and they might be yeah. letting the the basics go sure sure a good question massive question i i really i understand where you're coming from i, I see that a lot too um it, it, a good kind of place to start is 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 to look at you know it's, go through a week of 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 living look at and then you know find carve out some time that that next weekend and have a really serious reflection on on what exactly are the main triggers that are causing the stress you know is it rushing is it is it is it the time? Is it colleagues? Is it the is it the workload? Um, are you frustrated with systems? You know, some kind of system thing. Is there an inefficiency in systems? Um, whatever it is, you know, isolating that piece. You know, like a scientist. Ah, here's the thing. Here's a here's here's the thing. Or here's these three things that really. They just, it's just, you know, the shoulders rise, the, you know, the tension comes in, the body language reflects it. You know, ah, oh, there's this thing or there's this colleague or there's this this gross inefficiency that just blows my mind every time I come, every time I have to go through this inefficient process or this system, whatever it is, isolate it out. And if there's any chance of, of tinkering with that trigger, that, that central trigger or those two, one or two or three things then, then use your intelligence. You, you know, we're all incredibly intelligent beings. We do ourselves a disservice by, by thinking otherwise. Human beings, the species, phenomenal, phenomenal, extremely yeah. incredible. Um, tilt the problem, you know, like an artist, like a scientist. Wow, what, can I find another way of, of looking at this, of, of handling this, of approaching this? Um, and, and uh, you know, You've made a good point. Often we're nailed to the wall by the outgoings, the mortgage, the, the payments, whatever it is, and we can't change our external environment. So if, if, if that's not an option, then we need to game the inner environment. We need to find a way of relating to the stresses differently. And I learned that in the army. I, I, I found extreme, I, I did a parachute course and, and, and had really bad line twists at nighttime and a, it was, the quality, it was the end of the course. It was the full equipment, night jump, with a full RV, rendezvous procedure after the jump, and then a march off. Um, and I, I did a really bad exit. I was tired. I was lazy. I left my arm out. I got the slipstream and wound myself up into these wicked line twists. They were so bad that um, that the, the drill was, if you can't get your head back to check your canopy, you need to pop these cake wells, get rid of the canopy, do your reserve. I, I, for whatever reason, thought better of that. And, but anyway, long story short, I was highly stressed by parachuting, but it became part of what I needed to do for work. Um, and so 
I couldn't change that. That was that was a requisite. So I had to find a way of relating to this massive stressor in a creative, positive way. So I had a whole list of things of that, that when we got a task that required a parachute drop, I would have this different dialogue around approaching this stressful thing. So it was, it was, it was like, um, trust your superiors, trust your senior mentors, trust the equipment. Um, the exit was what got me into trouble. So I had this bullet bomb proof exit strategy, whether whichever side door it was, whatever tail ramp, um, to get out the plane safely. Then I would conduct my drills, my under canopy drill. I would, was all just drills. It was just drills. And I've, I've used that kind of concept with clients where if the external environment is non-negotiable, change the understanding of the trigger and the stresses, if possible. And that takes time. Do we need yeah. to act at a 10 out of 10 level when that staff member who always does this thing that gets us, can we dial that down? Can we have a, a moment of one or two or three breaths where we go, this happens every day. This is normal. This is, I expect this now. This is part of the deal. I don't need to react this strongly to this now. And you can take, you know, one or two or 5% worth of neural, you know, nervous energy away from reacting to that. And you put that into the pot of calmness or creativity at work, output, productivity. And then what's that other stressor? Give that a, a something out of 10. Yeah, this, this is a nine out of 10. This is a big problem for me. Okay, how can I react less intensely to that? find a way of put, putting it at arm's length or compartmentalizing it or whatever, these, all these different strategies that I don't have time to go into all of them. Um, and then another, on the other side of that is try and have a regular um, little piece of time where you're by yourself doing something very relaxing for yourself and by yourself. And that might sound a little bit exclusive to the family or, or whatever, to commitments, but there's a lot to be said for, for those little inputs. You know, that I, I use that expression a lot with the mindfulness stuff, the meditation stuff, the compound effect. It might not seem like a lot to start with, you know, 20 minutes of meditation a day or 20 minutes of, you know, good quality solo time a week. It starts to add up and it's, it just does this to the nervous system and, and, and the well-being piece. The well-being piece is empty. The nervous system's on a high it slowly but surely starts to balance the equation out like that. And for me, nature time, I've got to have nature time. And if I can get away and have a hike, you know, around a large body of water, a, a lake or, or a beautiful big river or some waterfall or something. And, and if I can consciously be present in that nature experience without sweating all the details of work, if I can leave that stuff, develop a process to leave work at work, you know, and, and be very, really strong mentally to make that break from work, that, that's a huge benefit too. It, 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 it will, you know, there's all this tension all the time. We're, we're constantly switched on. We have to make a little bit of discipline to switch off. And once we're able to make that a practice, a discipline, then, we, then, then we'll, it will be better for us. It's just an ability to understand on and off. We're always on. And we're always on at a one degree level, a two degree level, a five degree level, a 10 degree level. We've got to be off completely at least once a week for a, pe a, a period of time. We've got to reconnect to being switched off because we're just on all the time. Modern technology 
has a lot to answer for that and it's good but it's also bad as well got to put that thing yeah. down got to get away from that we've got to we've got to refresh it's important it's it's and like you said to start you know i have a good friend a doctor friend and and i asked her one day what percentage of your clients are presenting with stress-related symptoms and she just threw her hands up in the air she said 90 90 90 95 percent i was like wow you know wow and, yeah. and that's massive we need to be very aware of that because low level stress multiplied five years 10 years 15 years it's it's a bad picture we all know this and, and so we have to take action it's always the doing it's always the doing and that's a big part of my coaching practices we've got to do things it's got to be more than an, an intellectual exercise we've got to take action consistent action too yeah and i think um what i took away from your mindfulness course and i'd done um a lot of mindfulness work and meditation prior to coming to your course but the big thing I got away from that is the ability to drop habitual thinking or that reactivity and in order to do that you have to get to know yourself and if you're not giving yourself that space uh, in the day in the week to understand what your thoughts are you can't begin to to start to change them so um you know you you've just really kind of nailed down the importance of putting the phone down having some space between work having some space between family life and i know for for me when hubby comes home from work um and it's not as bad now because the kids are are older but Mm -hmm. even when the kids were little he'd have about 20 minutes to half an hour which to to me was quite a long time because I'd been at home you know working myself or with the young kids yeah, of course. but for him to be able to just really strip his day off yes. um, and to become back to Greg again yep. it meant that he could be more of a family man and it still means that now he can he can be present with us rather yeah. than um, coming straight in the door and me shoving two children in his face and going deal with it I'm, I'm out yeah you know that that then in the long term leads to disharmony so I yes. certainly for me in 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 my family uh, context I know he's yep. had a big day at work give him that 15 20 minutes half an hour and then yep. when he's here he's he's on so yeah. um yeah. that you know yeah but it's that habitual thoughts and the, the what we do every day becomes who we are yeah. and we can get so caught up in the process and we and so caught up in well I want to do this and I want to be here but yeah. I think for a lot of people we forget that it's what you do on the daily yeah gets you to where you are yes. yeah how would you how would you encourage somebody to kind of dial back on the I want this I want that and yeah. embody it now I mean you touched on it you know um, earlier you talked about the way of being um, and and to relate stress differently but how would you encourage somebody who is on that rat race who is sort of looking at at the future goal which is important but how would you encourage somebody to really embody that so they get the most of their their life now yeah good 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 question and a great question I think there's there's a lot to be said for um how to put it like you know, you've probably heard this before yourself, controlling the controllables and letting go of what you can't control. I mean, that's a, you know, you sit with that statement and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a massive, massive thought exercise because yes. a lot of what we stress out about, we have no control over. And I think a lot of anxiety gets produced and created around focusing on the things that we really don't have any control over. Um, so I would start there 
I, I, I understand the future focus and I, I kind of have a bit of a default like that. I'm always very future focused and I think it's, it's useful, but you made a great point. We're not embodied if we're constantly future focused and there's actual, you know, there, the, the body loves when the mind is, is inhabiting it. <laughs> the body is, the body is anxious. The, the body and the mind are anxious when we're in the past or the future. We're not, when we're not present, it's an automatic kind of mathematical formula. If I'm worried about the future or if I'm feeling guilt or, or regretting about the past, then all of those things are, the body's always listening to the mind. So it's creating all of these chemicals and these hormones to mirror where the mind is. So the mind is, if the mind is not at home in the body, then there's this, then there's this low level kind of something's missing here. The body, the body and the mind are thinking something's wrong. Something's missing. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? But the fundamental thing underneath all of this hyper um, intellectual conditioning that we get in the West, this, this cerebral existence that we have, underneath all of that, we're not in the present moment. And, and it doesn't have to, you know, if, if you're not present, I had, a, I had one of my teachers in India said that, that the now is self-sufficient. This current moment that. is <laughs> That if you can be really, 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 really anchored into this moment, and, and, you know, that might come with a bit of practice. I know that that didn't make sense to me early on, but it beca became a very sensible proposition once I matured as a meditator. If I was beyond the moment and worrying and wondering and, and formulating plans for the future, I noticed a shift into a, into a low-level anxiety, a low-level, not quite a depression, but a kind of like, I hope it happens. What will, what will, what will I do if it doesn't happen? What will, I what will I do if it doesn't happen how I want it to happen? What will I do? You know, what will I do? What will I do? And I, I would be, the breath would reflect that. The whole, the whole cognitive process would start to get shorter and shorter and shorter. These little loops of worry and concern and stress and, and doubt and fear. These little, these, all these little feedback loops would start firing. And then that chime, that gong, the now is self-sufficient. And I would be like, wow, I'm not in the moment. I'm, Fully dis I'm wholly disconnected. I'm, I'm out in the wherever that is, in the ether somewhere. Let me take a moment. Let me take two or three breaths to get centered again. Calm again. Ah, I'm connected again. There's a lot less worry here. And after enough years, like this is year, these are years of, of playing with these concepts, right, to embody them, to make them land. I know where I would rather be. I know where I'm more creative. I know where I'm more productive. I know where... Um, I feel stronger um, emotionally, physically, because that statement, the body's always listening to the mind. I mean, you sit with that as well and you ponder on that and, and you think, my goodness, and you can just run little experiments. Let me throw myself into the future. Oh, but COVID, oh, but this and that, and how, how, how will it all happen? And you unbalance the mind. But then when you come back to the present moment, there it is there, there's the connection. And with enough practice, there is a sense of certainty. You create a sense of security within yourself. Um, and then all of the byproducts of not being in the moment, the stress and the worry and the doubt and the fear, they get less and less and less and less and less. And, and I've been, I've, I've not had medit 
you know, I've had years where I haven't meditated and had daily practices of just being a work guy and just going after these things. And that has its place. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But I think it's worth mentioning that if we do go for the big goals, have a timeline on them and phase phase the rest periods in, phase the, the, the recovery periods in. It's too easy to just be like, wow, 12 months later. A year isn't really that long, you know, when you're really engaged in building something. And I understand that. But, you know, I often coach people, okay, 12 weeks, go for it. Just burn the midnight oil, burn the candle at both ends. If that's what's needed, if, 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 there's, a, if there's a financial piece, if you've saved some money, you've got 12 weeks of savings, then that's the deal. We need to fit it all in into these 12 weeks. Go for it. But understand that there's a price to pay for that. And you will be tired. You will be shitty. You will be reactive. You will be fatigued. You know, your, your work will start to, your, your, work, your quality of work will start to taper off. All that sort of stuff. We have conversations about that. That has its place. But the long-term effect of burning the candle at both ends, we all know what that's about. We've all seen that. And, and it just comes back to the, the previous questions around, have the daily practices, have the weekly practices. Then you can slowly over time lift the productivity, keep the work, the work rate going, but without burning out. And I, I look to my special forces friends who've done, you know, 10, 15, some nearly 20 years in the special forces. Um, there, there's a lot to be said for loving what you're doing. Uh, that's a huge, yeah. a lot of guys find themselves doing stuff they freaking hate. And I, I don't have much to offer in that space. You know, if they're stuck in that yeah. kind of environment, I, I, I'm like, my goodness, like, what can, how can I help you? Just stress management, you know, but the, the, yes. the, the cause of that stress, that's, that's the elephant in the room. And that's a difficult position. I understand. Yeah. And, you know, there is a big shift now in how we see mental, uh, mental health in men, but there is, I feel still a big stigma. Um, oh. And especially in New Zealand, men don't want to be perceived as weak. Um, so they'll bottle up feelings or sometimes they don't even know what their feelings are and it results yeah. in anger and frustration. Yep. You know, what can we do as coaches to kind of break down the belief that we have to be strong and masculine all the time or indeed that um, showing vulnerability or showing that more softer side is actually a weakness? Because it's, to me, mm -hmm. I don't believe it is a weakness. How, how yeah. can we work... In, in, in that space to help people out yeah it's a it's a it's a an important space to work in and, and a challenging one as well I, I understand that i've worked with enough guys who are who are sort of you know working towards softening their edge and and understanding their emotional side a lot more um as coaches you know the best place to the best way to do that is obviously during coaching sessions and and being open to to that kind of investigation and providing a safe environment for that kind of thing to take place um and also modeling it yourself like i'm a great believer in um being the change you want to see in the world and every chance i have i i i talk about the failures and the setbacks and and the you know the challenges and the and the the things that i previously thought of as being, you know, in inverted commas, weak or, or um, not masculine or, or some kind of um, identity piece that, that, that was being worked on. Um, 
I think, you know, personally, there's massive value in, in investigating that kind of those hard edges because there's a cost, there's a neurological cost, there's an emotional cost to maintaining those walls. Um, yeah. There's effort in there. There's, there's stress. To, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's a neurological cost in keeping the walls up. And, and, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of downstream effects from keeping the walls up at an identity level. You know, a lot of guys will end up with so much bottled up emotion that, like you say, it, it just expresses as anger and rage and, and aggression, where what could be underneath it is just some kind of fear of, of expressing themselves authentically. I know that yeah. journey I've gone on, you know, and I, I, again, lay all the thanks for that journey to those monk years because they're, it's very soft. You know, you, you heard me mention there's a hardness to it. There's a work ethic piece as well, but you don't get to, you don't get to create or, or build the kind of psycho-emotional sensitivity that's needed to apprehend the states of consciousness that you're trying to develop by being, you can't develop those states by being rigid, by being, um, by being, not being vulnerable. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to face yourself and, and, and love yourself. And that was a big part of the journey for me was that radical self-acceptance, you know, mm. warts and all. And, and to take down that, that facade of, of, here's a high performance individual they're born that way there's some kind of there's some kind of i don't know fairy godmother who visited them when they were born and <laughs> wrinkled some stuff in their shoes whatever and and there's no chance for me to ever you know to make changes in my life or to or to to step away from this this environment this this overly masculine hyper competitive you know corrosive perhaps toxic environment guys share those kinds of things with me they present as being these hard charges but behind the behind the curtain you know you know during a coaching session they're they're just sick of it they they're so sick of this facade that needs to be presented they'd rather just chill out and i coached a guy into um he was a what was he he was a he was like a foreman of a roofing company or something. And it was all the blokes and the boys. But he wanted to um, get a, a, a like a caravan, a catering caravan, and, and cook food and be at the beach. <laughs> and Good sell, lad. Right. Sell pastries and coffee, this sort of thing. And I was like, that's fantastic. And, he, and, and once he started talking about this idea, this business plan, he was a changed man you know you see the yeah. face and just the wow and the dream energy and the body language and and he'd lean in you know he's like wow this idea and whereas before he's all like this body fucking work and all this stuff and the bullshit that goes with it and and so it's a it's a it's a huge question Anna and and I think one that is I, you know, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a necessary journey for men to go on to, to approach that vulnerability, to admit there may be some, you know, 
some mistakes or some wrongdoings or some failings, some regrets. It's normal. There's no, there shouldn't be any stigma attached to that kind. It's just the human experience. I think I touched on that before. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have regrets. You know, this is guaranteed. And to think otherwise is, is, is to um, do yourself a disservice. You know, I yeah. think to, to, to have flexibility emotionally. I mean, that's the foundations of resilience, right? Is, is mental, emotional adaptability. It's to be able, yeah. the ability to, to be able to look at yourself and go, Dan, that really is an underfunctioning piece. I can see how this just gets me in trouble over and over and over. I need to not be doing this anymore. I need to make some changes here. You know, that ability to self-reflect, that ability to, to let go of, of things. And often I've coached guys in, 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 in environments, they've changed themselves and the environment has reflected that change at an outer level. There's this yes. reality at an inner level. So people are, I don't know, there's this strange law of attraction stuff that goes on, you know, energy, quantum physics, that there's this, the environment starts to reflect that. It's interesting. Yeah. That's it as well. Yeah, I find that fascinating in my own life and in others as well. It's, it's, that's a whole other podcast right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, yeah. listen, I know your time is precious, so I'm going to wrap things up, but I definitely cool. want to get you back on. Um, right. Before I finish, uh, I always ask my, my two kids a question, and, yep. uh, and we never know what we're going to get. So um, I'm going to throw a couple of questions out that Jack, who's 12, and Sienna, who's nine, have, have, have asked you. Oh, awesome. uh, the, cool. the, the, the first one was, what made you want to go to India to become a monk? Right. So um, I very early on in, in that journey with the monk stuff, I, I was in a community in Australia, a farm, a farm community, uh, yeah, a, a yogic farm community, a community and, and uh, a teacher from India came and I had a camera. He said, come for a walk. And we went down to this lake and I said, can I get a photo of you by this beautiful lake? And he sort of twinkled at me and he went, hmm, like that. And he said, can I just have a look at your camera? And he took my camera and he threw it in the lake. And I thought, wow, that's a bit harsh. And then he, <laughs> then he just locked on, he looked at me like, this is not a recreational path. And he walked off and I just, and that was all I needed, man. I was just like, dang. I'm hooked. It's, yeah, what is, what, okay, so there's, more than what I'm seeing here, where do I find this stuff? And and that led on that that was the hook to India. It's like I, I I'm from this place in South India. I recommend you go there. And yeah, that's amazing. Another that's another podcast there. That amazing. Well, the other question was was it hot in India? <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! South <laughs> India in summer is is, is mind blowing. <laughs> Yes, yeah. 38 degrees, 40 degrees, 100% humidity, searing, searing, just humming, vibrating heat. Absolutely, incredibly hot. Yeah, and to sit to, for 14 hours a day in that sort of heat, you need to have that dripping. work ethic. Yeah, I was skinny. <laughs> I was skinny, man. Yeah, vegetarian, yeah. skinny, brown, brown as a nut, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 80 Amazing. kilos, scrawny. Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, pa I'll pass that on to them. Um, right. And um, 
and I'm sure they'll because I want to go to India. That's next on my list. Right. So, but they will they'll think I'm even crazier than I am. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to finish up with some quick fire rounds. So without giving love uh, too much thought, what the first answer that comes to mind right. is the right okay. answer. We're just yep. going to fire off a few. Yep. Um, we're going to start off with the physical pull ups or press ups. Press ups. Mountains or the sea. Mountains. Fasting or feasting? Fasting. Parachute or bungee? Parachute. Reading or TV? Reading. Oh, easy. Of course. Uh, rice or pasta? Rice. Lovely. All right. Good <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm quite surprised on the, um, the pull-ups versus press-ups. That's always an interesting question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good on you. Press-ups for the win. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, listen, Josh, it's been really insightful and I want to thank you for your time today. Our listeners are going to have an absolute field day with this. But before we finish, you are, um, I mean, you're an established coach. You run uh, courses all around New Zealand, um, but you've, you're setting up an exciting new project. Uh, do you want to just fill us in with that and let us know where sure. we can find you? Because sure. I'm really excited about this piece. Thanks, Anna. Yeah, look, it's uh, been a long time coming. It's been a project I've put on the shelf, taken off the shelf over the last sort of two or three four years even it's called backcountry athletics uh and it is kind of pulling all of my experiences personally um in adventure activities uh, all the learnings i've had from various instructors all the experiences i've had in the wilderness uh, at a personal level and then marrying that 20 plus years of of experience uh thir nearly 30 years of experience including the military to all of the um, formal qualifications I've got in the strength and conditioning world, um, the mental, the mental training world, um, and putting those together for clients who are looking to um, do big things in the wilderness. Um, Amazing management piece. So, yeah, you can find me my site web, um, my website backcountryathletics.com. Uh, just started, like just launched finally uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, so yeah, backcountry athletics. If you if you're interested in that sort of stuff, I'm slowly going to be building the site, going to be blogging, having some interesting things on there that relate to all kinds of different avenues of life, of life, not just backcountry athletics and activities in the wild, but mindset and growth and nutrition and self belief and taking things to the next stage and how to do that and how to yeah how to grow as a person. And that's what it's all about for me. My you know if, if I was to describe my whole life in a nutshell, it would be yoga. Everything I do is to find a way to stay connected to the divine source in everything. That's everything I do. I'm not a skydiver. I'm not a mountaineer. I'm a yogi. And I use those activities to drive focus, to pay attention to my environment, which is big nature, like, you know, exiting a plane at, at, at 16,000 feet. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Climbing mountains. Wow. That's amazing too. You can't help but be plugged into the mainframe when you do those things. So yeah. uh, that stuff lights me up. If it lights you up as well, give me a yell. We can have a talk. <laughs> Happy days. Thank you so right. much, Josh. Cool. Listen, uh, Thank we'll, you, we'll catch up again soon. Oh, you're yeah, so wonderful. welcome. All right. Thanks, Heaps. Yeah. All the best. Take care. Cool. Bye-bye. Thanks.